you've got your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 6. I think it's just a little hot. You want to take it down a bit? John chapter 6, and we are going to start reading uh, some of the verses that we were looking at last week in verse 53 is where we're going to start here uh, this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, you want to uh, find that, and we will get into that. Jesus... Well, Jesus did not make faith easy. Um, one of the things that I've been struck with as we have been going through the Gospel of John is, is the number of times that Jesus put up significant obstacles for people to put their faith in Him. Absolutely, there is uh, powerful miracles, powerful signs that He did that, that uh, people were just blown away. And how could you anything but believe in him but often it was right after some of those significant miracles those significant works of of god that 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 revealed his divine nature jesus would then throw in rod, roadblocks into people's ways he would just as the people were starting to to gather and put their faith in him and and there was this movement after uh, one example is after the uh, the feeding of the five thousand uh, and, and the people were starting to go, this is amazing. We need to stick with this guy. He's the one who's going to lead us into the future, who's going to provide for us. And, and they were going to make him king by force if they needed to. And Jesus walks away, goes up into the mountains by himself where, where he can't be found and, and leaves the people standing around. Where, where is he? We, we see Jesus uh, doing that in, in other settings as well where, uh, where he is just, there's been some amazing miracle and, and the people are starting to come and the disciples are getting excited because there's this momentum of, of belief and, and excitement about Jesus and then Jesus goes someplace else. Says, let's, let's leave this place. I don't know how many times we see Jesus doing miracles on the Sabbath. He could have done those miracles at any point. And yet it is right there on the Sabbath, in the synagogue, in front of all the religious elite. And they struggle. They're at this place where, yes, this is the one, but then he does these things and it just totally undercuts their belief and their, their connection with him. Jesus does not make belief in him easy. And this passage is certainly one of those examples when when jesus doesn't allow people to get into easy belief and this is again following the uh the uh feeding of the five thousand the multiplication of the bread and the fishes it's also following his miracle of walking on the water i mean the disciples are blown out of their minds and the people have found jesus again and then he starts saying these things that are just very difficult let's pick it up at verse 53 of uh, john chapter 6 it says truly truly i say to you unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. 
For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the fathers, um, uh, nor uh, sorry, not as the fathers ate and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Now even for us who have the, 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 the Lord's table to look to uh, and, and, and the direct connection between his body and his blood uh, that, that we eat as a sign of, of our dependence and on our remembrance of what he has done for us. But even us, the way that Jesus said this is very provocative. And, and for us, reading it now, we do have the, the Lord's table, and so we have a bit of a context for that. And, and certainly when John wrote this, he also had that context, and so he was writing this and sharing this with us so that those who would follow would in some way think about this table. But when Jesus said these things, that didn't happen yet. And Jesus didn't just say that for our benefit. He was speaking these words into these people's lives and they were to take some kind of meaning out of that. Can you imagine standing in the crowd without, you try and block that out of your mind. What do you make of this statement? You must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. It's not surprising at all that people would think that Christians were cannibals in some way uh, when, when they would make this a part of their, uh, of their worship and their, their, um, their joining together. <laughs> no problem. I had technology problems this morning as well. It just things don't always work the way that you want. So how are we to understand what Jesus is trying to say? Certainly we, we can put it in the context of the table, uh, but I think there's something more that Jesus was saying because when he said this, people didn't have that context. What did he mean uh, that, that, that you must eat my flesh and drink my blood in order to have life in you? It's not easy, not easy to handle. I think, I think certainly a, a, a part of it, a significant part of it, as he talks about how uh, his life is in the Father, and whoever then partakes of Jesus has that eternal life in them as it is given from the Father into the Son and then into us. A significant part of this is that we need to allow Christ to come in and fill us completely you've heard the saying you are what you eat <coughs> this is exactly what jesus is saying is that on your own as you stand as a as a normal human being 
there is a natural separation between you and God. And if there is any hope of that breach ever being bridged, there needs to be a transformation from inside. And that we need to allow Christ to come within us and change us completely, totally, from the inside out. This is going back to that first sign that we talked about in John where Jesus changed the water into wine. He isn't looking to come and just do a, an outer change. He's not just taking the jar and doing a new painting on the outside. He isn't doing some kind of uh, uh, outside, uh, superficial kind of transformation. He is going to the very essence, the very existence of who we are and transforming us. And so when he says that, that you need to eat my, my body, you need to drink my blood, he wants us to, to take him within us to allow that transformation to happen, to change us from our natural human selves into a son and a daughter of God. And that can open, only happen by Christ coming within us. Now, why didn't Jesus say that? <laughs> that would be so much easier to take for people. But he uses this cryptic language, these, these very powerful images, word pictures of what he's trying to accomplish, and it causes great consternation within the people that he's speaking to. Let's continue to read from that point on. Verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Now, let me just stop there for a second. Let's make sure that we recognize this. This says many of his disciples. These weren't just casual peripheral hanger honors. These weren't people that were just along for the ride and just watching the show. These were people who, who had submitted themselves to the authority of Christ to put themselves in His following, to, to closely link themselves with Him. Likely, these people had been baptized. That was a, a significant symbol that was used to show that, that you were the disciple of any particular master as you would go through this baptismal ritual. And we know from, from John that this was a thing that was happening, that the disciples were baptizing many of the people that were coming. So, so when it talks about disciples, that's the kind of people that we're talking about. There are these disciples and they are saying, this is hard. What you're saying, Jesus, doesn't compute very well. This is a challenge to, to all the things that I thought that I was buying into when I became your disciple. And, and, and you're putting me on shaky ground. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said, oh, no, 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 just wait, just wait, you misunderstood. Here's what I really meant in trying to smooth that out and make it easy. No, that's not Jesus. 
He says, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In the Spirit who gives life, the flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is what I told you. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Jesus doesn't try and make it any easier for people. He doesn't try and smooth it over and explain what he was saying. He says, this is the word that I am giving to you. And some of you aren't ready to hear it. Some of you have come and you have joined this fellowship for other motivations other than responding to the call of the Holy Spirit, to the draw of the Father in your life. And Jesus was saying these hard things to winnow out those who had wrong motivations, who had wrong expectations, who had their own agenda that they were uh, trying to put on Jesus that they could then shape and create Him to be the kind of Messiah that they wanted, that they felt that they needed. But Jesus would not be boxed in. You see, He never was motivated by numbers. The way that he measured success was not about the size of the following that he had, the great press that he would have in the community. Jesus said, I came to do the will of the Father. And he was looking for those that would be willing to allow him to change from the inside out. And so he stayed with those hard words. What was the result? Verse 46. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Oh. Again, these are disciples. These are people that have made significant investment in Jesus. Significant investment of their lives into following Jesus. And, and they turned back. I think part of the question that we have to ask out of this passage Why am I here? 
Am I willing to hear the hard words of Jesus? Or am I here to try and shape Jesus into a Messiah that I think that I need? Am I trying to, to create a God that will meet my needs, that will accomplish the things that I want in my life? Jesus is not going to make it easy on you if that's your motivation. So how do we come to Jesus? How do we deal with these hard sayings? And here I love Peter. <laughs> oh. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? I don't know. I hear emotion in Jesus' voice. <laughs> he was God. He knew the future. But he was also a man. And, and he desired fellowship, community, connection. And as he looked around at these men that he had poured so much of his life into, he was ready to let them go as well in order to do the will of the Father. But it broke his heart. Do you want to go away as well? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom will we go? <laughs> you hold the words of eternal life. I love that. Because that reflects my heart as well. Jesus doesn't just make faith hard back in the first century. He makes faith hard today. He is just as actively winnowing out His church today as He did back there in that place. And there are things that Jesus says, that Jesus has done in my life that are really hard that I don't understand. I see the suffering of people that I love. And I just wish, God, why don't you just take that pain away? Why don't you just fix it, Lord? It would be so much easier if you were to touch that person's body. There would be a miraculous healing. And the whole world would know that the only reason for that was because of the touch of Jesus Christ. And, and, and it just makes sense to me. And I want God to work that way. And then those that are close to us continue suffering. And sometimes don't receive that healing until they go to be with the Lord in heaven. And we have to walk through that. It's hard. It's hard. But my heart is with Peter. 
because I don't know where else I could go. All of the other worldviews that are out there, all of the other religions, all of the, the different ways of dealing with the significant questions of life come up empty. There is no satisfaction. And the more that you spend time with Christ, the more that we have the experiences of His power in your life where you hear His words when He reveals God to us, when He reveals His plans and purposes to us, when He says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you my friends. That we're welcomed into that fellowship with Him. That I have to say, but you are the only one that satisfies And so, Lord, even though I don't understand, even though the words that you say are hard, the things that you ask me to go through are intolerable. There's no place else for me to go. And I only want to know you. And so even though I don't understand, even though it challenges me, I will follow you. And that's what God is looking for. That's what He wants in this place. You don't have to have all of the answers. You don't have to be able to explain all of the hard things that God takes people through. All of the hard sayings that that we have to face in Scripture or in our life today. But are you willing to trust? To know that God alone is true. That God alone is good. And even though there are things that you can't see, to trust that He has it all in control, that He is shaping and moving in ways that we could never see, and He is accomplishing beautiful, amazing things that, that we will only know on the other side of death when we come into his presence and we look back and go that's what that was all about now it makes sense Jesus is the holder of the words of eternal life are you willing to trust him even though he makes faith hard Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus had this beautiful, beautiful word. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you? It kind of then goes into a hard part, but I, I want to just stop there for a second. I just want to rest there. That the reason that Simon was able to say that, the reason that Simon was able to say, Lord, you have the words of eternal life, is because God was at work in him and he had chosen Peter to be that person. 
And so even though we come through that hard going, oh, I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense. But then to come to that place of saying, but I trust, Jesus then says, I know you do because I've chosen you. From before the world began, you were my son. You are my daughter. And I know it's hard and I know things are going to be difficult, but know that I am there to guide you, to, to carry you through these difficult sayings, to help you to that place where you can make that statement of faith. You are the one who holds life. I have chosen you. I, I love that that description of the gates of heaven by uh, by Ironside. I forget what his first name was. Um, but he talks about how the gates of heaven as we are coming up to, to them in glory and overtop all of the saints together are massing into that place to, to see our Savior face to face, to enter into the beauty of eternal life where we will be no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more sin. And over the gate says, all who believe may come. Open to anyone who would put their faith and trust in Jesus. And as we walk through those beautiful gates and enter into the presence of God and then turn around and look at the top of the gate over top of it, and it says, <laughs> chosen before the foundation of the earth. Both are true. That we put our faith in Christ, but He has chosen us before the world even came into existence. It is a beautiful picture of God's love for us. Love in choosing us, but love to allow us to come to that place of making the choice for ourselves. How we will ever understand it, I don't know, but in heaven, all of that will make sense. But it is a marvelous picture. And I ask you today, where are you at? Are you one of the disciples that has been baptized, that has been following Jesus? But when it comes time to things getting hard, you say, I'm not there. Let me encourage you to keep pressing in. To keep seeking Him more. And allowing His choosing to happen in your life so that you can say along with Peter, where would I go? You hold the words of eternal life. Let's pray. So Lord, I say thank you. Thank you for making faith hard thank you for challenging us beyond ourselves because if if we were to create a messiah he would be he would fall terribly short of what was necessary
I ask, Lord, that each one of us would be willing to to eat of your flesh and drink of your blood to allow you to come in and transform our hearts so that we would come to that place with Peter and say, we've got no place to go because only you have life and we've tasted that life and we don't want anything else. Give us the, the strength to make that choice even in the face of difficulties and hardships and things that we don't understand. We still come to you and say, Lord, we surrender and submit to your love and trust you no matter what. Amen.